I struggled with the title of this. Uh, God just kept rearranging this, and he rearranged it finally this morning. Um, You know, you hear the term, what you see is what you get, and so often that is absolutely so true. And so I thought, well, what you see is what you want. And then I thought, well, that's probably a true statement. And then this morning God says, what you see is not what you need. And so this morning we want to talk a little bit about perseverance uh, we'll touch on proven character, and we'll, we're going to really unpack hope this morning. And I pray that what we speak and what we see and hear in the Scripture relates to us today in this time that we're in today. So let's begin by grab your Bibles like your life depended upon it, because it actually does, and turn to the fifth chapter of Romans. And I'm going to begin with the first verse, and we'll go through the first eight verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope the glory of God, not only this, but we also exalt into the tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for the, for the unrighteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Perseverance is not waiting or sitting in one spot. It's not crying out for Jesus to come bail us out. Perseverance is action. It is moving. It is emotion. Now, it is not mere emotion, but it is motion in a direction. By definition, perseverance is the continued effort to do what to do or achieve something despite difficulties, despite failure, despite opposition. Better said in the Bible, it would read like this. It is to continue a course of action, even in the face of difficulty or with little or no prospect of success. It is the action taken despite all odds. It has to do with endurance in many verses. In some, it relates to faith and hope. In others, it has to do with a sense of steadfastness. 
It is when we endure by remaining true to our faith in Jesus Christ that we persevere. Now, if you'll turn to James, the first chapter, the second verse. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance or perseverance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In other words, you have the character of God that God wants you to have. It is that proven character, the character that follows God with joy. There's a big difference between following God and following God joyously. Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. When we follow with joy, he delivers us hope. So if you'll look at 1 Peter now, the first chapter, the sixth verse, as Peter is writing about a living hope and a sure salvation. In this you, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may find be found to result in praise and glory and honor, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we go through that, and he hands us hope. So I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about hope, and I want to make five points that Scripture shows us. First of all, hope is a cry. It's a cry out to be heard. It's a cry out to be seen. It's a cry out to be experienced. Sometimes it's difficult to see hope in some situations. But the Bible says that true hope is unseen. If we can be hopeful in one thing, such as our salvation, which is unseen, then we can be hopeful in other things too. You see, it is that simple. When you, Not anybody would in here or anybody out there would do this, but let's say that you know somebody that knows somebody that bought a lottery ticket. If you buy a lottery ticket, you have something that you can see in your hand. Do you have the winnings in your hand? No, you do not. If your smoke detector goes off, do you jump out of bed and immediately dial 911 and tell the person that answers the phone, my house is on fire? No. You investigate. You ask questions. You get up. You see if there is smoke. You see that you probably should have changed the batteries a long time ago in the smoke detector. So you begin to ask questions and you begin to look to see what is going on. Why don't we do that with God? When things begin to happen around us, why don't we seek God, God's face and say, God, what are you doing and what can we help you with? Turn to Romans eight twenty four. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is, is hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Second thing is we can be confident in hope. We can find rest when we confidently hope in the Lord. So if we understand that God's hope so often is unseen, we often as humans ask the question, if it's unseen, how can I trust it? After all, you can trust the chair that you're sitting in now, or you can trust the cup that you're going to pour your drink into. 
We can also trust some things that are not seen. If they're your wife baking cookies in the kitchen, you can't see the aroma of those cookies, but you know it's there. And your hope is, even though you may not be able to see the cookies, is you're going to get one of those cookies. You see, there's natural laws and there's legal laws that we don't always see, but we know that they are there. So in the same way, if there are things we can't see with God, we should have full hope in him. Hope assures us that we can be confident because it is the word of God. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance what we do not see. The third thing is true hope comes from God. He's the creator of all things. Therefore, we must understand he is the creator of of hope. Sometimes we hope for things that there is really no true hope. Financial stability is not true hope. It may ease the pain. It may make things a little bit better, but it's not true hope. Your spouse cannot bring true hope because your spouse's abilities are limited to the only things that they can control. True hope comes from the one that created hope. And that is God. True hope comes by trusting God even when circumstances are difficult. One way to know whether or not you're trusting God is whether you're obeying his word. Trust produces obedience, which produces hope, which results in joy and peace. And that is the power through the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Fourth, hope is a gift. A wonderful result of hope is delivered through the Holy Spirit of God. He gives us the power to hope as we demonstrate God's love for us. Hope is given by him who works together to give us confidence, to give us joy, to give us peace, to give us power, and to give us love. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And finally, hope endures. Hoping in God, you can, bound, you can count on this. God is not going to lead us into despair because he has a plan for us, a joyous plan for us if we are obedient in his calling for us, if we truly trust in him. He has a future that's full of hope. In Proverbs twenty three eighteen, we read, There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. As we wonder today where God is leading us, we often bring in emotions into those questions we ask God and we ask each other. But our feelings and our emotions can be very tricky. They can deceive us, especially if we depend solely on our emotions. The evil one uses our emotions to confuse us. He uses them to bring chaos. 
Yet God has given us emotions, and we know that, so therefore they must be important. But God has also given us a mental intellect and the ability to look at things in reason situations. This reasoning keeps us from having those emotional knee-jerk reactions we have that cause us to panic. Part of discerning God's will is to ask him to help you see what he is doing. Not to see what you want, but to see what he is doing. And when you do that, it's very important that you listen. How many times do we ask God a question and then we want to answer it for him? Or we just want to go on to the next question. As we listen, we must obediently follow him also. Sometimes emotion and intellect are not enough. When we're facing a decision or difficult times, we need to be prayerful as we go through the decisions we make. Trusting God to guide us each and every step. We also need to do this, be prayerful in the light of God's word. So you need to be in the word. You need to be studying the Bible. You need to be seeing what God is saying to you today so that you do his will tomorrow. Again, God will not lead us into something that is not in accordance with his will or the Bible. Proverbs 3, 5 reads, Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Make sure of your commitment to Christ and then submit every decision to him. When we sincerely want God's will to be done, he will help us. He will help us do what is right. He will help us to do what is in his will. So the question is, how are you obediently responding to God's will and to what God is saying to you? And a few weeks ago, we spoke about how important it was for us to examine ourselves, to see where we are in life and to see what we are doing in our life for God. I came across a poem written by Linda Ellis. It's called The Dash. I want to read it to you and you think about where you are right now in your life. It reads as follows. I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstones from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most was that dash between those years. That dash represents all the time that we spent alive on earth, and now only those who love them know what that life was worth. It does not matter how much we own, the cars, the house, the status, or the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things that you would like to change? For you never know how much time is left that still can be rearranged. To be less quick to anger, to show appreciations more and love people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that that special dash may only last for a while. So when your eulogy is read and your life's actions rehashed, Would you be proud of the one thing they say about you, that you loved your dash?
We can look at people's lives. We can look at previous generations. And we've often done this. We've heard this about the previous generation that they were the greatest generation this country has ever seen. They were the generation that fought in World War II and for many saved the world. They provided God's people to go back to their homeland. They did so many wonderful things, but they did so many things that cost so much. They were not a generation that sat and watched. Was it the greatest? I'm not sure. You see, I think there's been several generations in this nation, and there are several generations that we read about in the Bible that were obedient to God's word. We look today and we look at first responders. We look at those that are firemen and policemen and those that are military folks. And we see that they go into situations blind, not what they see, but what is unseen so often. And they run into situations that common sense would tell most of us and their mothers would say, don't do that. But they do it anyway. They do it on faith. They do it in trust in God. They do it in trust with those they work with. But they do it because it's the right thing to do. They do it for others. You see, some jobs are not jobs. Some jobs are callings. And we're all called to be obedient servants of God. To be the ones that share the good news with others. If you'll turn to 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in the first verse. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord, ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surprising power is from God and not from us. We are not hard-pressed. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed Perplexed, but not despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who has raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. 
All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. That may be us today. You see, in all the darkness, distress, and disease and disturbances, remember that Jesus lives. The devil could not defeat him. The grave could not hold him. And we have the same power through the Holy Spirit. We need to focus not on what is going on around us, not on what we cannot control, but we need to focus on the one and only that is within us that can control those things. And that is our God. We cannot struggle with things that are temporary. If we do struggle with things that are temporary, we will struggle with moving forward and persevering in his name. Let's suppose that there's a football team, and please do not include the Cowboys and the Texans in this, okay? Let's suppose there's a football team that is trying to score, and they're making one first down after another, but it's a struggle. What would you think of the coach that called timeout and said to the referee, can you move them out of the way because we can't score because they're in the way? Or what of the batter that stood up there and turned to the umpire and said, ump, can you make him throw the ball over where I can hit it? What would you think of people like that? You would probably call them weak because you know what? They don't understand the test of success of having the ability and the desire to move forward when others are trying to stop you. We can look at suffering and see that it's gone on since the beginning of time. You know, 40 years in the desert is not a vacation that people stand in line to sign up for. So we know that God's people have suffered. Or what if you're like this young man? This man at seven years old had to work to support his family. And at nine, his mother died. And at 22, he lost his job. And at 23, he went into debt with us good friend as a partner in a store and at 26 the partner died and left him with a huge debt he wanted to get into public office and by 35 he had lost two bids for congress 37 he won a congressional election at 39 he lost his re-election at 41 his youngest son died at 42 he was rejected as a government job and at 45 he ran for the senate and lost and at 47 he lost a bid to be vice president at 49 he ran for the senate and he lost and this guy's wasting a lot of his life isn't he at 51 he was elected president during a time that this country was in turmoil in his second term of office he was assassinated Abraham Lincoln is thought as one of the greatest presidents this country has ever had. See the trials and tribulations that he went through to get to that spot? If he would have known that he was going to be assassinated, do you think he would have changed his mind? I think not. You see, our trials are temporary in the light in comparison to the eternal weight of glory. 
which we do not see. Helen Keller devoted her life in assisting deaf and blind people. She really worked hard to promote education for the disabled. She thanked God for three things. And I want you to hear what she writes. I thank God that he has given me knowledge of his works. I have a deep thanks that he has set in my darkness the lamp of faith. I have my deepest, deepest thanks that I have another life to look forward to, one of joy with light and flowers and heavenly song. She perseveres. She places her faith in God Almighty. Yet we as people, we get angry because somebody's got a bigger cookie than we do. We look at what other people get and what we don't have. We don't look at the blessings that God gives us. We look at the size of blessings other people get. So there are times that we become bitter over suffering that God allows in our lives. We should not spend our energy in making decisions to avoid hardships. Instead, we should spend our energy on what calls, God calls us to do, even if that calling hurts. Hebrews 5.8 reads, Though he was God's son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Jesus die on the, did not die on the cross so we could sit here and say, come quickly. Come quickly and bail us out. We are to be his warriors that stand in the gap, that spread the good news, that boldly defend God's word. Persevering is work. Perseverance is work. It's hard work. And so often it is lonely work. But we do not do it alone, do we? Do one thing during the times of trials and tribulations. Pray. God is looking for intercessors. Ezekiel 23, 30 reads, I searched for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I might not destroy it, but I found no one. God looks for those who have hearts in tune with his. And to do that, you have to have a relationship with him, a close, intimate relationship. You will become acutely aware of what's at stake then. God will enlist you as an intercessor. But again, you must have that relationship with him first. So why do we not intercede as we should? Well, sometimes we actually think God may not answer my prayer, yet we read and we say with our lips, we know that if we pray, God hears our prayers. He will receive those prayers. Sometimes we don't intercede and we don't pray because we are too, quote, busy. You see, guys, the honesty is we worship our lives and agendas, not our God. We place our endeavors first, not him. Again, we say with our lips that we can do nothing without him, but so often during the day we believe we have accomplished a lot ourselves. Without being intimately acquainted with God and his will, 
all our efforts are going to be futile. If God's love is within us, we will feel compelled to plead with God on behalf of those who are lost, those that have faced judgments. And we may plead for days and weeks and months and years. We may be standing in that gap for a long time, but God calls us to do so. You see, we can look at Paul and see how obedient he was and how awesome he was. But you know what? When he followed God, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was whipped, he was mocked, he was conspired against, and he was in prison, yet he counted it all joy. So why are we reluctant to do the same thing for the one that created all things and breathe breath into our lives? He offers us eternal happiness. When he calls or when we see things that are wrong according to his word, why do we ignore them? Why do we worry about what somebody else thinks or what somebody else is doing? You see, in this time we're in right now, we are in need of a great generation. God needs each of us, not just to say that we are believers, but to live and speak as believers. We should not fear what man thinks, but we must fear what God thinks. So we should be focused on the challenges in front of us, being confident and trusting in God. Don't be like Peter. Peter, God bless him. I mean, God built his church on Peter. But when Jesus is laying out the future for Peter and things that we ask for, God, can you show me what's going to go on? He laid this out for Peter. And what did Peter do? What about him? He wants to know, what about John? I often wonder if Jesus just didn't slap his forehead, his own forehead going, Peter, really? But that's the way we are. Franklin Graham said, it is the light of the gospel and the light of Christ that shines into men's hearts when we are born again, and it transforms them from for eternity. It is that light that truly is the hope of our nation and world. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Any nation that is against the ways of God is in deep trouble. Our hope is in God's plan, and we need to see where we fit into that plan. The greatest remedy for both arrogance and worry is to humbly acknowledge that God is a sovereign God and in control. No matter how chaotic or catastrophic things get around us or appear to be, God is in control. The future is in the hands of this sovereign God. Doubt that truth, and we're prone to worry about things that the Bible tells us we shouldn't worry about. Neglect it, and we have a tendency to become arrogant. We need to pray for our president and our vice president and those in Congress, that they would make decisions that are favorable to religious freedom and to life. Even though their track records may not seem good, God can work through a lot of people and we can be surprised just as those years and years ago were so surprised to see Paul. 
and know him as Paul and not as Saul. You know, there's people in this country that want to see a revival and say we need a revival. You know, maybe what we need to do first is to seek his face and ask for forgiveness for where we are right now and to seek the glory of God, not for America's sake, but for the glory of God's sake. You see, there is hope in the promise of Christ as we persevere. Victor, if you, is Victor here? Victor wants to come forward. I want to close this with prayer. That's, that's okay. Hadari can just come up and play. We can be a great generation. We can be a great people. You can be an obedient follower of Christ. The decision is up to you. So it's not what you heard today, but it's what you do tomorrow. This is going to make a difference. One step at a time, one day at a time. We can make a huge difference. And sometimes situations we're in that seem so hopeless and we think there is nothing good that's going to come about this, we are absolutely amazed at the miracle of God.